Well, hey there, Faith City Church, and again, it's so great to be with you, and I know we're separated by distance today. Uh, Father's Day, it's actually especially difficult because I love seeing all the crazy gifts and the ties and whatnot that everybody is sporting, that their kids made. Um, but hey, the Holy Spirit brings us together, even though we're separated by distance, and uh, just excited to be sharing the Word with you today. Um, we're going to read from Second Kings this morning. 2 Kings chapter 4. I'll give you a chance to uh, grab that in your Bibles, uh, and uh, we will be popping it up on the screen there for your benefit as well. But 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, starting at verse 18. And I do want to wish all of you fathers a really happy Father's Day today. Granddads and spiritual fathers. In fact, uh, we just want to say happy Father's Day. We hope you're blessed. Hope you have a great day and you're able to celebrate in uh, some form and another, uh, given the restrictions that might be a little bit unique this, this time around. But happy Father's Day to you all. So 2 Kings 4, uh, beginning at verse 18, it says this, When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, oh, my head. And the father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him up and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap, until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she, she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once and meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with your child? And she answered, all is well. And when she came to the mountain to, uh, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone for she is in bitter distress and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said, Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. And if someone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you li yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid his staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to him and told him the child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon the child. The child sneezed seven times and the child's eyes opened. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. Then she fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. 
Um, We thank you that it brings life to us. And God, today on Father's Day, we want to hear from you. Uh, We want to be changed for all the dads who are listening in. We want to be better fathers, Lord. For the rest of us, God, we all all want to be better uh, leaders and better disciples of yours and better at discipling others. And so would you come today? We open up our hearts to you, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us. Come and transform us. We want to leave this time after this uh, message changed by you. You have our attention this morning. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. One of the privileges of my life uh, is certainly being a father, being a dad. Um, we have two kids, and uh, our daughter, uh, she's about nine, she's nine now, was born in uh, 2011. And I'll never forget the arrival of our firstborn. Um, maybe some of you dads can relate to this. I don't know, but I was always preparing, reading all these books, reading everything I could on newborns, on children, and trying to understand how I could best be a dad. And I'll never forget when uh, the, the, the nurse put Isabel into my arms and she was like pretty upset. Now, I don't know if any babies come out of the womb and they're not upset, but she was pretty upset. And one of the things I remember though, is that once I began to speak to her, like, we even have a video of this at home. Like, she immediately, like, responds. And I'd like to think she recognized my voice. I don't know all the science of it, but, but she certainly calmed down. And that was a really special moment for me. I'm like, yeah, I'm your dad. It was awesome. And uh, then, uh, you know, we start to think, at least I did, you know, as a dad, you start to think that you know things. Uh, I think that we had the video earlier that said we're, we're know-it-alls when it comes to being fathers and dads. And we had our second child, and I was quite humbled when Judson arrived because, again, then I realized that, yeah, I don't know anything at all about being a dad. I remember Judson came home from the hospital, and we, we got home, and I don't know exactly when it was, a few days into uh, him being home, but I was trying to, trying to be a good husband and give my wife a little bit of a break to have a good night's sleep and whatever. So, um, you know, I took the baby and took baby Judson. I'm like, okay, I'll sleep on the couch, and I'll take him out there, and Isabel totally, you know, could calm her and just whatever. So Judson, we get out there, and I'll never forget this moment. It was such a, like, wonderful moment in my mind anyway. Uh, But I I remember I had him out there and was doing all the things that I did with Isabel to calm him down and all that kind of stuff. And it was as if, like, I picked him up, and it was as if he, like, he may as well have just looked me in the eye and said, you are not my mom. Uh, by the way he was crying in his body language. He would not stop crying. He was just upset and wouldn't settle. And it was very, it was, I'll never forget that night because I remember eventually Diana was just like, bring the child in to me. And she'd rather have him in there so they could all kind of get some sleep rather than listening to him scream and cry. And so in that moment, I realized I know nothing. I know nothing. And there are these times as dads, I think we all can admit, we get pretty much humbled by the situations uh, that we face with our kids. I realized that I knew nothing. And perhaps you can relate to that. The same is true of our spiritual walk this morning. We know that we're called to disciple others. We're asked to engage as spiritual fathers and mothers. Jesus says this in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man uh, who told him so, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother, here are my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother 
and sister and mother. In that moment, Jesus was elevating the household of faith. He was saying, yeah, you know what? Family is one thing and it's important. And we know that Jesus loved his family. He had a deep concern for his mom when he was on the cross. You may remember this. And he said to, I believe it was John, this is your mother and mother, this is your son. So it's not that Jesus is disregarding family, but he is elevating the household of faith and saying there is something greater now because it is so real that we get brought into God's kingdom. The spirit of adoption that Paul talks about, we, we partake in the kingdom as full heirs. So this is important for us today because there's a great need for discipleship. There's a great need right now for spiritual moms and dads to step up to the plate and disciple others. There's a call to all of us today to disciple and to be discipled ourselves. And you can say, well, why is that the case? Well, it's the case because this is how the church perpetuates itself. In fact, Jesus talked about being fruitful in John 15, and the emphasis there is on discipleship. That's the model that Jesus employed. That's the model that we see um, employed in the New Testament in different ways. It looks differently and it can be contextualized to your life and mine. But there is an emphasis on discipleship, on, on living together in God's word, on discovering our purposes together and, and teaching those who are less experienced about the things of God. It's very important today because this is how the church, the kingdom of God will grow. There's a great need right now, uh, more than ever, I, I believe, for uh, people to encounter the gospel of Christ. And discipleship is a necessary piece of that puzzle. 2 Kings 4, the scripture that we read earlier today, uh, says this, And when he lifted him up and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap, lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him. You see, this is what the world is like today. Figuratively, this child... If you read that whole chapter, you come to understand the child was a miracle given to the Shunammite woman and her husband. They had not had children, and the prophet Elisha came as the representative of God, and this miracle was worked out in their home. But now the child is dying, and the child sits in his mom's lap and passes away. And figuratively speaking today, I believe that is the need that is out there. That child that's unwell, that child that is dying, the child that eventually does die, is the need. It's the need in our society on all sorts of levels. Perhaps it could be literally children that we think of, orphans around the world who need a family, who need um, food and sustenance and education. Perhaps it's the destitute in our own city or the abused or those who are left on the outside, those who don't know Christ and who need to be brought inside. Perhaps the need is a generational one for those who are older to mentor those who are younger. Perhaps the need is in our families, or perhaps the need is in those who have gone before us who now feel somewhat left out. The need is all over the place, and that need today is represented by this child sitting in his mother's lap, dying. And let me just emphasize for you today, discipleship is not a class. It's not a program. Discipleship is a way of life. Discipleship is not a class. It's not a program. It's not just for new believers. It is a way of life. Jesus outlined this for us. He exemplified it. And this is how the kingdom of God perpetuates itself. Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. John 15, I already mentioned, through this my Father is glorified that you would be fruitful. Jesus' example, Paul's example. 
If we want the church to grow, if we want the kingdom of God to be perpetuated here in Halifax, here at Faith City Church, or from wherever you're listening, if you want the kingdom of God to grow, that means that you and I, we need to answer the call to be a disciple and to disciple others. So against that backdrop of understanding that there is a need represented by this, this boy who is sick and then dying and that dies, Recognizing there is a need for discipleship, there's a need for the kingdom to go forward, and that is how the kingdom goes forward. I just want to briefly talk about the ways in which we can engage that. There's a few points that arise out of this, this passage of Scripture that I want to talk about. Like father, like son is our theme. And the, the initial story there was about Elisha. And we know Elisha was mentored uh, by someone named Elijah, another prophet, like father, like son is our theme. And as we look at the relationship just briefly of Elijah and Elisha, there are some truths that come out that helps us understand how we can be better disciples and how we can better disciple others. How we can be better spiritual sons and daughters and how we can be better spiritual parents. And so this morning, just briefly, we want to talk about this. The first point comes to us out of second, uh, 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21. This is when Elijah and Elisha first came together. And it says this, so he departed, Elijah. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. So he departed and found Elisha. The first point is simply this. Elijah was prophesying and Elisha was plowing. Elijah was busy being a prophet, and Elisha was busy plowing. They were both doing what they were supposed to be doing. This is the first sort of point when it comes to discipleship and how discipleship moves us into God's purposes and makes us effective members of the kingdom of God. We need to be doing what we're responsible for, for doing. And that's what we see here. Elijah had uh, led the people on Mount Carmel to that wonderful victory with the Lord coming and setting the, the, the sacrifice ablaze. Elijah had experienced God's power in his ministry as a prophet, and he was continuing on in that. And as he was continuing on in that purpose, he comes across Elisha. And Elisha was plowing the field. You know, the number 12 is interesting because in the Bible, the number 12 speaks to us of completion. Some people say perfection, but a better translation, a better idea there is completion of readiness, ready to do something. And Elijah plowing the field with the 12 speaks to us of that preparation. You know, sometimes we want to wait to prepare once the opportunity comes. We think about it that way in this backwards way. But if you go back to even the example earlier of the, the children coming, Isabel and Judson, we were preparing for them all the way along. Not once they arrived did we go and run out and grab a box of diapers or go run out and try to figure things out. We got prepared beforehand. And that's what the 12 oxen speak to us of. Elisha was prepared. He was doing what he should have been doing. Elijah, the spiritual father, was engaged in his purpose. And at some point in that way, they came across one another and God did something great. They were both doing what they should have been doing. In discipleship, there is a season for prophetic fulfillment of calling. Prophetic fulfillment of calling. So Elijah the prophet doing great things for God. He prophetically was fulfilling his calling. And there are, are seasons and times for preparing, which is what these verses speak to us about Elisha. 
The second point we want to consider for us who want to be better sons and daughters spiritually or better uh, spiritual parents or disciplers is that Elijah initiated and Elisha responded. Elijah initiated and Elisha responded. 1 Kings 19, 19 to 20 says this, And Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen, Elisha, and ran after Elijah. Spiritual moms and dads, those who are going to be in the discipling uh, part of the relationship, are the ones who need to initiate. Elijah cast his cloak or mantle upon Elisha, and it was a symbolic way of transferring the prophetic power from himself to Elisha. And here's the thing, it's risky. So the Bible just says, it's almost like I imagine him walking along and all of a sudden he sees Elisha and tosses his cloak, casts his cloak. There was no guarantee that Elisha was going to pick it up. Sometimes I think that we don't want to engage or initiate as spiritual fathers or moms or, or uh, you know, that sometimes that idea connotates, you know, elder, you know, being old or young or whatever. That's not what we're getting at today. We're getting at discipleship. So it may not be like a separation of age, but we're hesitant to cast the cloak to say, hey, I want to engage with you uh, because it's risky. We might get rejected. They may not want what we have to offer. And so Elijah was taking on a little bit of a risk. But here's the deal. Discipleship is always a risk. Discipleship is always a risk. And let me tell you, you will be disappointed along the way of your discipleship journey as you try to disciple others. And we don't have to go too far uh, to look uh, for an example of this. Jesus, our Lord, discipled 12, but was betrayed. The key is he kept himself in the place of vulnerability to disciple others And that means there's a risk of being betrayed. When you try to initiate, there is always a risk that you will be be betrayed uh, or you will be disappointed. But that is not an excuse or reason for us not to engage in these relationships, to give them our best. It's on the sons and daughters. It's on those being discipled to respond. So Elisha, it says, pursued. It ran after Elijah. If you are preparing and watching and waiting you'll know who to run after. If you are watching, waiting, and preparing, you will know who to run after. In this journey of following Jesus, in this journey of trying to reach our full potential in Him for His kingdom's sake, fulfilling the prophetic calling, and all we mean by that word prophetic is is a God-ordained calling, what He designed us for. If we want to fulfill that and we're in this season of preparing, if we prepare, if we wait, if we watch, we will know who to run after. We will know who to run after. And it's a risky thing too, waiting and watching and who are the right people. But at times when we see someone initiate, we got to take a chance and run after them. Third point, really quickly here, we're moving through them. I know that you probably got Father's Day plans and all that good stuff. So we want to get through this quickly today. Elijah kept going and Elisha started over. This is point number three. Elijah kept going and Elisha started over. 1 Kings 19, 21 says this, And he returned from following him and took the yoke of the oxen and sacrificed them. He boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Elijah kept going and Elisha started over. Sons are sometimes scared to leave things behind. 
Daughters are sometimes scared to leave things behind. And spiritual moms or spiritual dads would often like to just start over. We sometimes get these reversed again. Sometimes uh, us who are maybe are less experienced want to just run out there and get after things and get going and get done, but we don't have that, that experiential knowledge to do that well. We want to just get out there and get going, but sometimes we don't have the experiential knowledge to do that well. And yet fathers and moms sometimes want to return back to the time when they were more spiritual sons and daughters and, and to get a do-over when really the power of what they have to offer, what you have to offer, is your experience in God, your experience fulfilling the call of God, your experience in your faith. And so there's a temptation to want to go back and start over. And then for those who are younger, there's often a fear about stepping out and, and chasing down the call of God. But it's important that we Keep on moving. Those of us who are ahead and into the calling and into answering God's call in our life, it's important that we have a stick-to-itiveness, that we keep on pushing ahead. And that's what Elijah did. Cast his cloak and said his thing, and then he kept on going. Kept on going to what was next. And it was on Elisha to catch up. Elisha started over. See, he sacrificed the ox, and what that represents to us is a clean break in his identity. This is what I did, and now this is what I'm going to do. Sometimes we get these things reversed and there's a tendency to want to go back and start over for those who are spiritual moms and dads. But we need your experience, your wisdom. Don't long to go back, long to go forward. The fourth point today, final point, as we begin to close and try to apply this to our lives, is that Elisha asked and Elijah answered. Elisha asked and Elijah Answered. Second Kings 2, 9 to 10 says this. When they had crossed, uh, it means the Jordan, when they crossed over the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken away from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit upon me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, the chariots of fire of horses uh, appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. For those of us who are trying to be good spiritual sons and daughters, there is a responsibility for awareness. There is a responsibility for awareness. Awareness is key. Elisha's request for a double portion of the spirit that was upon Elijah indicates his understanding that Elijah had a special relationship with God. He understood that Elijah was well connected to God. The other thing that he understood was that God instituted in Deuteronomy 21.17 outlines that the firstborn son must receive a double portion of the father's estate. You see, Elisha wasn't just creating some idea on his own of a double portion of the anointing that rested upon Elijah. He was aware. He was aware of what God had instituted in his word when it pertained to the inheritance of a father being given to a son. And so what he was asking for was, was in bounds, if you will, in a way. But he was aware enough to ask for it. 
You see, sometimes we lack awareness as spiritual sons and daughters. Sometimes we don't know what to ask and when to ask it. We need to be led of the Holy Spirit. And spiritual dads, spiritual fathers, you know, it's so beautiful in the scripture, really outlines the idea of spiritual parents and discipleship. When Elisha cries out, my father, my father, as Elijah's being captured up into heaven. And as fathers, we need to be prepared with an answer. Luke 11 says this, Luke eleven nine, 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given. This is Jesus speaking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks, it will be opened. And he says this, what father among you, if his son or daughter asks for a fish, Will instead of a fish give him a serpent or her a serpent? Or if she asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion or her a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? There's a responsibility for us uh, who are doing the discipling of others, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, to have some answers to have something to offer of the Lord. To be filled up so much with the Holy Spirit to overflowing that when the questions come and the the difficulties come that those we are discipling bring to us, we have an answer. We have something to offer them. So today, we've covered these four points. The first is about being ready Uh, spiritual sons and daughters being ready and prepared and spiritual moms and dads being down the road and fulfilling our prophetic calling. Elijah was prophesying and Elisha was plowing. Secondly, Elijah initiated spiritual moms and dads need to initiate and Elisha responded. We need to overcome the risk and the fear that might be involved in that and push through it. It's our calling, our high calling from God. Elijah kept going, third point, And Elisha started over. It's for the young people in in the Lord to begin anew. And it's for us who are a little more experienced to have the tenacity to continue and to push forward. Now, again, this isn't about age. This is about our walk with the Lord and our experience with him. And finally, Elisha asked and had the awareness around what to ask. And Elijah answered. Bringing this all together today, we had that backdrop of the child dying And it was Elisha who came eventually and healed that boy. And today we know that we have a society, we have a church, uh, we have a local church where we know we need to see discipleship increase. That sick child again today represents the need in our world, the brokenness, even the brokenness in the body of Christ at times, and perhaps even in our local community of Christ here. The question is, are we going to be ready like Elisha was to fulfill our purpose now and to see the sick child recover? You know, to see the needs met, to see the needs in your workplace met, to see people come into the kingdom, to see the the sick healed, to, to believe for those things, to see the kingdom of God move forward. That's that child getting healed. Are we going to be in a place to see that happen? Today, we kind of, to end things, come back to where we started. 2 Kings 4 again says, When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. And so he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. 
And then we know the scripture says, and the child opened his eyes. Today we're talking about like father, like son, discipleship, like father, like son. Elisha called Elijah his father. What you might not realize is a similar passage to the one I just read in 1 Kings 17, 22 to 24. And it says this, And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth. Just as we quiet ourselves for a few moments right now, what we have here are two beautiful bookends on an experience. And I believe God is trying to show us something Elijah had experienced almost exactly the same miracle, exactly the same challenge and need that Elisha would eventually experience himself. And the answer was the same, God's power and presence. And between those two bookends, we have this beautiful relationship between a spiritual father and spiritual son, willing to take the risk of building a relationship, willing to invest willing to give up his life, Elisha, to chase the prophet down and to do the things that God had called him to do. And if we want to see that sick child made whole, if we want to see our society come closer to the kingdom of God, if we want to see people transformed, if we want to see healings take place, if we want to see the church grow in the broader, broader body of Christ, or even for us as a local church or wherever you're watching from today, if you're wanting to see yourself advance in the kingdom of God and his prophetic purpose and calling for your life, We've got to engage this thing called discipleship, both as disciples and disciplers, both as sons and daughters of Christ and God, and as fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers, willing to give our all for those around us. We've got these two beautiful bookends of experience, and they demonstrate to us today how to perpetuate God's kingdom. And so as we just quiet ourselves for a moment before we head back into worship, in an unhurried way, I just want you to think on what we've heard today. Is the Lord right now dealing with you on the Elijah front, on being a spiritual mom or dad and saying, look, there's some things that you need to change here. Maybe you need to initiate more. Maybe you need to be more ready with your answers. Or perhaps the Holy Spirit is dealing with you on the son or daughter front. Again, this has nothing to do with age, but we all should be sons and daughters and we all should be spiritual moms and dads. But perhaps you need to do more in terms of being a, a better son or daughter in Christ, in terms of being more aware, in terms of pursuing, in terms of being willing to have a new beginning and to let go of what you've known your whole life and being ready to turn yourself towards God's plans and purposes. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to speak to us right now. Lord, we thank you for the example of Elijah and Elisha and Lord, we know that there is a great need in our country, in our province, in our city. Lord, in our community, even within our church, there is a call to discipleship. Lord, we know that we will not fulfill our full potential as, as followers of Christ and as a local church if we cannot get this right. Would you help us, Lord? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.